This is McLean Mannix, and you're listening to Pack Center. This episode of Pack Center is brought to you by Evoke Fitness. We hope you all signed up for the 30-day challenge, and if you did, good luck. If you did not, Evoke Fitness is still the best gym to go to. Evoke Fitness was awarded Best Gym in Reno for the year 2017. Evoke Fitness has a wide variety of classes for you to choose from. To go look at classes and specific trainers, go to evokefit.com. That's E-V-O-K-E-F-I-T.com. Now enjoy this episode. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with Kevin Finkler. Kevin, how's it going? It's going great, Garrett. You know, it's the third week of school, and I'm excited. Great to be here. You might be excited, but I'm sure Nevada football fans aren't overly excited following uh, last weekend's loss to Vanderbilt. But I think there is hope on the horizon as they face Oregon State this week. Uh, Later in the show, we are joined by an Oregon State beat writer. But with that being said... Let's jump right into football. Now, Kevin, did you get to watch this Vanderbilt game? Um, yeah, I got to watch it on the TV at my work. Um, it was it was good watching the game for the first half. You know, we stayed in it. Um, I think it was 14-10 at half. And Se- it was 17-10. 17-10 at half, and uh, we were all kind of happy. We were kind of – I was personally surprised that we were hanging in with them that long. And then, obviously, in the second half, Vanderbilt actually decided to start playing some football. So <laughs> that, that might be an accurate way to describe it. Vanderbilt started to play football, yes. It was interesting to see because Vanderbilt really struggled in the first quarter, and it was 0-0 after one, which surprised me. And we talked with Adam Sparks, and he said if it was going to be a low-scoring game, Vanderbilt would have, would have the upper edge. And, sure, it was, it was, they, they had the upper edge the first, first half, and it was 17-10 is low-scoring. But then Vanderbilt decided that, oh, yeah, we're an SEC school we we should dominate dominate these fools and nevada just could not get any offense the entire game the defense for the most part played well they forced a couple of turnovers in the red zone which was surprising but then the offense could not gain any momentum sure they had one touchdown it was a 9 yard uh, pass from ganji to o'leary orange it was a nice pass but other than that the offense really wasn't clicking on any side yeah, no, it was a definitely a struggle for us on offense. I think that's probably just a sign for us. That's what we, you know, tend to be good at is our offense. We're, you know, a high-scoring offense, high-flying offense. We're really not known for our defense. So when you mention the fact that, you know, our defense actually played well comparative to our offense, you know it was not a good day. Um, like you said, you know, Ganji just – he had a struggling day, you know, two interceptions with that touchdown, um, 200 yards – um he was completing the passes it's just I think he was just forcing it where it shouldn't be with those two interceptions um and our our defense held up pretty well but yeah our offense just it could not get it clicking together for the most part the de- yeah for most part like Ganji it Ganji didn't really have much time yet uh, Vanderbilt got three sacks and it just showed that their defensive line was so much bigger than our offensive line and Vandy did send a lot of packages where they blitz people and so I think Ganji not being able to stand in the pocket for as long as he wanted to did affect some of the throws. And I think that's one thing that the offense definitely needs to work on, like getting Ganji his protection, like what we saw in the Portland State game. Yeah, no, they definitely need to get him a protection, especially that online right there. Um, and you could, you could just tell just from the running game that we ran too, because you don't have, you have to have somewhat of a balanced offense in that aspect. So it opens up. So the defense starts backing off and starts respecting you a little bit rushing. We, we struggled a lot. I mean, we've got uh, three guys in negative yardage 
um, and no guys over 30 yards of rushing, which it's, I mean, we're, it's not a good thing. It definitely isn't. Um, it the O line definitely has to work this week to get it together and produce like they did against Portland State. Obviously, I think last week when we talked and weeks before when we predicted this game, I don't think either of us predicted us coming out and winning this. Um, but that second half was really dismal. It really was. Yeah, you're right. And I thought going into this game, we, as you mentioned before, we both predicted it would be a loss. But I just thought it would be more of a closer game than it 40, whatever the score was. I, yeah, uh, 41-10. 41-10. And I thought it would be maybe a touchdown game, maybe. I thought Nevada's offense can hang around if 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 it could be high scoring, if the offense could get going. But they just it, it's just sad to see it, it could not be it could not get going. Yeah, no. It couldn't get going in the beginning, and neither did Vanderbilt. So, which, I mean, we were fine. We were hanging there at half, you know, with the 10-17. And then that just – that third quarter killed us because we came out and um, – And we, we had just, the ball to start the half. I know. We, we, had, had, we had the ball to start the half, and we just could not get anything going. And that's when Vanderbilt just took it away, scoring 17 in that third quarter. Um, you know, if we scored – if we scored – you know, at least 10 points on there, we're still in the game, um, and it comes down to a fourth quarter, which would have been a lot closer. We held Vanderbilt just a, a touchdown in that last quarter. So it was really that third quarter but, that kind of killed us. But by us. that time in, this, in the fourth quarter, they had taken out their start, yeah, no, players. Yeah, I, no, I, I understand that. They took out most of their starting players. But it's the fact that that third quarter just killed us morale-wise and um, just basically just killed us, you know? Yeah, and I think that Nevada definitely does. Would it showed? It just showed how much depth in that late depth Vanderbilt has. It shows them how much like bigger, faster, stronger their players are. Like they recruit differently. It's different recruiting from a lot of like the West Coast cities, and then what what Vanderbilt recruits in their area with like you recruit from like the south, the south, uh, like. Southeast down there, yeah. Southeast, I, southwest. Yeah. And I, I mean, I mean that kind of is expected. They're an SEC team, and you know, it like uh, this isn't a surprise, folks. We talked about this for weeks. This is not a massive surprise. Um, they're just loaded. They're a bigger name school. They have more, um, more recruiting power and recruiting, you know, uh, bravado, I guess, compared to us. And like you said, they do have that depth, even though, you know, they take out their starting guys, they still scored on us, you know, and it's they still held us to no points. So it's 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 hard to go up against these schools. Um, it's killer to watch it. Um, it uh, honestly, it just makes me more excited for basketball. Let's be honest here. Yeah. And but before basketball, we still have a while to go for football. And I think that football, this loss definitely hurt the general fans perception of of this team like and that might hurt attendance wise yeah no it's definitely going to hurt attendance wise which is sad to hear but like you said we still got a lot to go i think this upcoming week against oregon state i don't know if we're going to pull this out but i think it's going to be a lot closer game which will be good for the fans we'll actually have a competition and you know um something to go out and watch but i think after that once we get toledo i think we can take care of toledo um, they're going to come off their, they, I think they got, um, Miami this week. Um, so they're ranked team against playing Miami. So they're probably going to get their butts kicked in that. So they'll probably, um, be down in morale just like we are. So when they come and play us, um, hopefully we're, we pick up the morale against Oregon and then right there. And then we get into, you know, conference play. Um, 
but we definitely have to come out and compete for Oregon State because if we don't we don't compete uh, the fans aren't going to come out anymore, especially when it comes to conference play, especially during that time when everyone starts to forget about football and their interests go other where, you know, with the holidays coming up and f- basketball coming up. Even though we don't have many games um, crossed over between the seasons, I think we mentioned it's only one game uh, that's within the season. But it's the fact that, you know, fans kind of are going, eh, do I really want to go out um, and go out to the tailgate and – yeah, of course they want to go out and tailgate and drink some beers and stuff like that, but they're probably thinking, hmm, I could probably just do that at the wall and watch the game from there instead of actually going. And, you know, at that time it's going to start getting cold and start freezing their butts off. They're probably just going to stick it in the wall or the U or wherever you guys, you know, have a beer. So it's – they definitely – this next game is a make or break. I'm not saying we have to win this game, but we definitely have to actually come out and play. I think for the rest of the season, this is a must-win game. This is the, probably the most must-win game out of, uh, you know, the rivalry games in the Mountain West. But for the non-conference game, it, this is important because if Nevada does not show up, if we get to Nevada, that was – if we get – there's because right now we've seen two different Nevada teams. We saw the Portland State domination victory, and we saw our offense just not show up in Vanderbilt. Uh, so I think if we get the, Na- the, the, the Nashville-Nevada t- team – I think it's going to lower the expectation for fans. Fans might not show up, and that might that's going to make it hard for I think the rest, especially as we enter Mountain West play, for people to show up to games. And I think, but if but if we do come out and come out firing against Oregon State, a Pac-12 school, I think that can light a fire underneath fans to show up because we all know Nevada needs fans. It, it's lackluster football attendance is just awful to see. While basketball doesn't have this problem. Yeah, they 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 never really have this problem. Um, I I think I think it's more so. Obviously, basketball is more successful. Basketball has done a fantastic job of marketing and getting people out to the uh, getting out to Lawler, and the fact that you know there's more games you can go to. So it's not one of these. Uh, you only have a certain amount of home games. Um, you have a lot more when it comes to basketball. I mean, there's one or two a week, so you know you could always go next week. It's not that big of a deal. Whereas for football, it's like you mentioned, it's a must-win game because if you look at the schedule after this, we're away for the next two weeks, and we don't come back and play until Fresno State um, right at the beginning of October. So if we don't come out and win this game, no matter if we go out and beat Toledo and go out and beat Air, Air Force – um, fans are going to remember, oh, what happened against Oregon State. If we came and came to the game and didn't show up and just, you know, sat there and watched them, you know, wipe us on Mackey, um, then that's going to carry over into the Fresno State game and it's going to carry over into the Boise State game. And it just – that's how it kind of rolls into that. It's a snowball effect, which is unfortunate. But they they need to figure it out. Like you mentioned, we've seen two different – uh, football team so far we've seen uh, us actually be successful and be one of the top 10 offenses in the nation against Portland State obviously it was against Portland State but it's still the fact that we were up there in the statistics rankings um, with with Ganji and our offense in general and then we go out and play Vanderbilt and then we just get our butts kicked it was it was two different completely teams and I want to say it was something a little bit about being on the road but you have to you have to figure this out as as a as a team as a coach as players you have to realize that you can't only just show up for home games you got to show up for every single game and it's not I'm not I'm not 
I'm not trying to diss anybody on the team. It's just you you got to change something here, folks. If you guys want people to come out to Mackey and come out and cheer you guys on, you gotta you gotta start doing something different. And it's not like you mentioned like the Mountain West, and this could be the easiest game for the Nevada at home outside of Colorado State, maybe. Because you look at it, they like they face Oregon State, obviously, as we mentioned. But then we face Fresno State, who won the Mountain West West region. We face Boise State, who won the Mountain West uh, Mountain Division. Mm-hmm. We play San Diego State. San Diego State is always tough. And then we play Colorado State. So there's not that many home games left. But the home games we do have are very tough. Yeah, it's, and it's, we, very t- it's very tough, especially and mentioning Boise State, obviously – they won the mountain side of the conference, but you have to also keep in mind they're ranked 17 in the nation right now. And if they keep going on, um, they might get higher up. So, I mean, that's going to be a good game for us that we're going to be playing ranked people. But it's also the fact that if we play ranked people and we get our butts kicked, you know, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, this could change. You know, Boise's playing Oklahoma State this weekend. Um, they're ranked 24 in the nation. But, you know, if they win this game, this is just going to empower them to, you know, probably get to that probably 14, 13 slot right there. And if they keep winning games, you know, they might get down to 11 or 12, which is just going to not be good for us. But, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly that this is probably going to be one of our easiest home games outside of the Colorado State coming up later in the season. Uh, Yeah, and let's jump right into our – weekly talk about this week's game this week we host oregon state oregon state comes to reno and they are four point underdogs to the wolf pack which is surprising at least to me do you agree no yeah it's completely surprising i mean obviously um oregon state's kind of the bad luck of the draw they had ohio state as their first game and were ranked number four in the nation right now and i mean they got their butts kicked but honestly they still scored points honestly against Ohio State which is kind of surprising I think it was yeah 77 to 31 I mean you got to give them props for at least not necessarily hanging in with them but at least putting up 30 against Ohio State I mean come on but they also just came off playing Southern Utah um, and won that game handedly by about you know 23 points I don't understand why they're an underdog especially a four-point underdog, I'd probably put it maybe, if they're going to be an underdog, maybe plus one and a half. But I don't think four points, no. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Nevada, uh, Oregon State comes into this game. They honestly have a really balanced offense. Their running back has 285 yards on the season, four touchdowns, but their quarterback has 395 through the air. But the thing is, Oregon State was fairly bad last year. They went 1-11, and this year they, they – got demolished by Ohio State as they were projected to. They beat uh, Southern Utah as they were supposed to. Now, this is the first game for both Nevada and or uh, Oregon State where it's a game that could go either way. We, we, we never really thought the Vanderbilt game could go either way. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that showed on the scoreboard. But this game is one that I think a lot of people are predicting that could go either way. And I think that if Nevada does have the chance – if Nevada comes out early and you see the offense firing, I don't think there's a way Oregon State can stop them. Oregon State does allow six average; they allowed 604 yards per game on on the on defense. But that that one of those one of those games is an outlier because obviously uh, Ohio State ran through them. 
Yeah, that's seven hundred plus yards of offense for the Buckeyes. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a different horse. That's a horse of a different color, right there. You can't really compare Ohio State to Southern Utah. You know, it's apples to oranges, or even to us. Um, I think if we get our offense back on track, this is going to be a shootout type game. It's going to be very high scoring. Um, our defenses on both sides. I don't think we have very solid defense for both of them. Um, obviously, they're allowing a a lot of yards on offense, and we're probably right up there with them, allowing a lot of yards. I don't know the exact number. You could probably look it up. Um, but one of the things I think is going to make or break this game, and I, we talked about this, is their running game. If they get their running game, Oregon State, like they did against Southern Utah, then I think they might have an edge on us because you look at Jefferson last week had 230, 238 yards with four touchdowns. Uh, their second running back, Pierce, had 91 yards with one touchdown. And it's that's going to be the real decider is uh, if that if their running game is on point in our defense, the defensive line can't stop them, I'm going to have to give it to them um, at least edging us out barely. See, I, I think it's different because you look at Southern Utah, Chris Helbig, Helbig the quarterback, went 31 of 48 for 340. And two touchdowns. Now, I think if Ganji can do some similar numbers to that, I think our defense, I think our defense was one of the things that really shined out to us against Vanderbilt. Granted, forty-one points is a lot, but if you look at the first half defense, they played really well, only allowing seventeen points. So, I think if we can uh, have that defense for this game, I think it'll be huge. And I think I think that the offense just needs to find its groove again. We found its groove uh, against Portland State. We lost it against Vanderbilt. I think we just need to find it and then somehow keep it for the entire season, which I know will be hard, but I think that it's something that can happen. I, I have faith in this offense. This is the second year of Matt Mummy's air raid offense under, under Norvell. So I think that with Ganji Mannix, uh, Romeo Dubs, Cole Turner, Caleb Fossum, Elijah Cooks. I feel like the receiving core is good enough to make plays in space and be able to get open and and, and put up points. But the one thing that does worry me is that offensive line. I don't know how this offensive line is going to be. It's banged up, and I just think you got to give. You don't want you don't want uh, Ty Gangy to be running around like he's in no man's land. He just he has to have a clean pocket for him to have a su- successful game. Yeah, no, he definitely is a pocket passer. He's not one of those, you know, he's not a Kaepernick. He can't run around and throw on the move. He, he has tendencies where he can do both, but it he he's, his, he's, ten, his tendencies are to stay in the pocket, but if yeah. need be, he can scramble. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm not saying that this kid can't do both. He's definitely an athlete. It's just if if you had to label him as one or the other, he's more of a pocket passer. And that showed in last week's game against Vanderbilt when he got pressured, he made mistakes, he got sacked, you know, and that offense line does need to pick it up. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see on this. I think what like we mentioned earlier is these first two games we've seen two different Nevada football teams. We've seen one that came out and killed it against Portland State, but then we saw one last week against Vanderbilt. Obviously, that we to- we all knew we were going to lose that. Let's just be honest here. Um, it's going to be interesting who shows up today or not today, but this weekend, do we have the same team from Portland state or do we have the same team from Vanderbilt or are we going to have a third team that has yet to show its face now? Now I'm really interested to see if we can get that third team where we have a balance between our defense and our offense. And we finally find an identity with this team. That's, I think one of the things we're struggling with right now is finding out, um, 
who we are on a consistent basis. And we have to keep this going throughout the season if we even want to um, not necessarily compete for the title from Mountain West, but, I mean, at least not not to finish in the, sec- in the bottom half. All right, we're running out of time here. What are your predictions for this game? Um, you know, I got – it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I want to say in the 40s, I want to go with uh, 48-45 Oregon State. I'm going to have us losing by a field goal. I, that running game of theirs, I think, is going to end up getting us in the end. I'm on the flip side. I think Nevada does win 35-31. I think the four-point is kind of optimal. Uh, but with that being said – uh, for more in-depth coverage or breakdown of this Oregon State down, listen to uh, my interview with Oregon State beat writer Nick Deschel. Coming up right now. We are joined from Oregon State beat writer Nick uh, Dashel. Nick, how's it going? Good. So, how has practice been so far for uh, Oregon State this week in preparation for Nevada? Well, uh, I don't really know because practices are closed here, but they they, they don't have practice on Monday, and, and Sunday they just have a kind of a more of a film session and just kind of work out the kinks from Saturday. So today's really the first day, you know, they'll be prepping for Nevada. and uh, They're about ready to go in about an hour. And um, I'll, I'll be talking to the offensive coaches, you know, after, after practice, but no practice is closed. So. Okay. So practice is practice is not open to the media. Nope. Okay. Not well, unless I want to watch stretch. Stretch is open, <laughs> but I'm not really into watching stretch. So, <laughs> so Oregon State is coming off a win against Southern Utah. But how, how do you make of this team through the first two weeks? One week one, they obviously lost to Oregon State, or they lost to Ohio State. Week two, they beat Southern Utah. What do you make of this team? Well, all we really know right now is that they're not as good as Ohio State. And they're a lot better than Southern Utah, which kind of puts them in the group of about 90 teams in, in FBS. Um, I mean, every, every, you know, most teams are going to beat Ohio State, and most teams are going to beat Southern Utah. So that's what we know. We'll know a lot more Saturday when they play Nevada. Um, I mean, what we know is their offense is pretty good, better than probably was expected. They've got a, their offensive line come together, um, and they're running the ball pretty well. I actually thought that was going to be the strength of this team, just watching them in camp. Um, practice was open during camp, so I didn't see a lot of them there. And that, that, I mean, they, they got a new offensive line coach, Jim Hollick, who's been around the block, Cal, Arizona, Washington State, East Bay, Oregon State. He's, he's a pretty good line coach, and he's got the, he's got the line – you know, moving in the right direction, and they're veterans. They they play six guys, four of them are seniors, two of them are juniors. Um, they lost Artavis Pierce, their their number one running back, um, for the next four weeks. But this freshman they have, Jamar Jefferson, 
he yeah he picked the slack right up and ran for third best yardage total in Oregon State history against Southern Utah. They have pretty good running backs. Uh, you know, the quarterback position is still up in the air for Saturday. I expect it's going to be Connor Blount, but they're not going to make that decision until probably Friday. It could be Jake Luton, but I think it's going to be Connor Blount. Um, you know, defensively, that they're they're a bit of a work in progress. They don't have a lot of depth up front. The linebacking core is probably average, and the secondary is missing some pieces. They're they're trying to figure out what to do. They were better against Southern Utah than for Ohio State, but they'll have to be a lot better to slow down Nevada. Now, is Oregon State a team that is that runs more than it passes, or is it vice versa? No, they're pretty much like Nevada. They're pretty balanced. They, I mean, yardage wise, they're as close to fifty fifty as you can get. I mean, they, 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 I think they, I mean, with the defense they got, I think they have to try to run the ball and, uh, you know, and keep their defense off the field as much as possible. I don't think that's what they're saying, but I mean, realistically, that seems to be a, a good strategy is to, would be to do, you know, to, to run the ball and do that. But yeah, it's, it's close to 50, 50. Now, what has the transition been like for for Oregon State switching from Mike Riley to Jonathan Smith? Well, actually, they went had Gary Anderson. Oh, okay. Coach the last three years. Um, <laughs> it was such chaos last year that I mean, you know, anybody stepping in there would be an upgrade. But Jonathan is, you know, he's a former player. He actually played in the. He was the starting quarterback in '99 last time. Oregon State played Nevada. Um, so, and he, you know, he's been a calming influence on the program. You know, the, who, you know, who knows? He's doing all the right things right now. You, you don't know whether he's the guy or not until we get a few years down the road. But so far, he's done all the right things. He seems re- recruiting seems to be going pretty well. I mean, they've been they've shown some, you know, they've shown some good stuff on offense, which is what you would expect from a guy that's a former quarterback and an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach um you know we'll see now when when uh, jonathan took over did he start with a fresh new slate of coaches like did he bring in all all new guys yeah everybody everybody is everybody is new now there's some former beavers on the staff but everybody is new from last year they say he didn't retain anyone from that staff and you know there there's no reason why he would have that it was it was chaos within the coaching rank last year, and there really wasn't any reason to keep anybody. Now, now looking at this game against Nevada, uh, looking at your prediction, you have Nevada winning 38-34. Any reason why you're picking the Wolfpack over the Beavers? Because the Beavers haven't won a road game in, in since 2014. I mean, until they win a road game, I, I don't believe it. I think they're good enough to win a road game, but, I mean, Nevada will be a – a tough place to play. And, you know, it's a different deal playing on the road than it is at home. I mean, look at Nevada. You know, they look great against Portland State, and they look pretty mediocre playing at Vanderbilt. I, I just think that, you know, I've read some stuff about what's Nevada's biggest game of the year and, and whatnot, and I think it's Oregon State because it's a Pac-12 school. I mean, it's not many times that a Pac-12 school comes to Reno. It happens every once in a while. 
And when they do, Reno's Nevada's going to get pumped up for it. Now, with Corvallis only being eight hours away from Reno, do you think a lot of uh, fans from Oregon State are going to travel? I think so. And my only, I, it's only anecdotal, but it was almost impossible to find a, uh, a flight to get to Reno. It, he, if you want to get a, a direct flight from Portland to Reno, it was over seven hundred dollars, which wow. is wow, which is crazy. And uh, you know, even a even a flight through the Bay Area to Reno was five hundred. So I think the Beaver fans got on this one early and bought up a lot of tickets. But you know, I don't know what that what that means in terms of fans. I mean, a couple thousand maybe. I don't know I, what 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 is what does Mackey Stadium hold like. Thirty-five, forty thousand. Something, something, sure along, something along the lines of that. But it hasn't been sold out in the past in a while. I don't even think since Cap. Yeah. Like, I think the last time it was sold, truly sold out was Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, you know, I don't. That, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's going to be sold out this week either. But it should be a pretty, pretty big crowd, I would think. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Or they'll probably bring a couple, you know, two, three thousand people maybe. I. But like I said, I'm. It's just anecdotally, I'm just based on what I've seen from, you know, air air tickets. If if Nevada fans show up, it should be roughly they they'll announce twenty thousand at least like twenty thousand there, but who knows? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. A, that thing, that's all they're getting for home games. It's just Nevada struggled last year at home. They went last last year they went three and nine, and. Yeah. That that also lost a lot of confidence in this team, and with basketball being such a huge success here in Nevada, a lot of fans would tend to go to more basketball games than football games. Yeah, I see that Nevada's preseason number in top ten in basketball. Yeah, basketball has definitely taken over the school from what it what it used to be. Because like you look back like three four four years ago, football dominated the school, and then once once Eric Musselman took over. It's be- it's become a basketball uh, heavy school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you got one on the basketball team. You got one of the one of the guys I used to cover, University of Portland, Jazz Johnson. I don't know that he'll see the floor, but I think Jazz Johnson. I, will, I think Jazz Johnson will um, will see the floor in as a role player, as a shooter coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious how he fits in on a team like that. I don't know if you look at what Nevada's had. He uh, Musselman has had like a hundred point three, uh, hundred three point shooter in each each of the seasons he's been here. So I think if Johnson can get those numbers, I think he'll be he'll do fine. Well, Jazz loves himself some three pointers. I know that. Yeah. Uh, getting back to football, you highlighted a lot of, in your article. You highlighted a lot of Nevada's strong offensive keys. What's the weakest part of the Oregon State defense? Oh, up front. And it's because they they just don't have any depth. They they you know they're 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 rotating six guys in on the on the defensive line, but you know none of them you would consider to be of all Pac-12 caliber. Um, there's a couple guys that got some quality to them, but they just don't have any you know studs up there that can you know that can take on they have to demand a double team or something like that. Maybe their best. Maybe their best guys is J.C. transfer named Jeremy Reichner, who's who's out right now with a foot injury. So, um, yeah, that's uh, th- that's no secret that their defensive line is, is an issue. Now, you expect 
Does, did you see like Southern Utah run a lot on Oregon State? No, I mean they they really couldn't after a while, but because they got so far behind. Um, no, Southern Utah didn't do a lot against them on the run, but but Ohio State did. <laughs> Ohio State did a lot of running on them, but you know it's more it's more with it's more in terms of the pass rush. They just they can't get a they can't get a good pass. I mean they didn't get their first sack of the season until late in the third quarter against Southern Utah. They just you know they they either can't get to the quarterback or when they do they can't get him down and so that's that's the biggest issue with the defensive front. And I guess it's tough to have when you play against a quarterback that scrambles and they did that with at Ohio State and then and then with Nevada you see Ganji uh, he has tendencies to scramble. Yeah, and they've got and they've got Khalil Tate coming up next week, so you know they, they got to get this they got to get this figured out a little bit. Now the spread the spread opened up at uh, Nevada minus five, and now it's now it's not Nevada minus three and a half. Do you think the Wolfpack cover? Oh, I had no idea. I mean, I mean, obviously I picked it Nevada by four, so you know I I I have no idea. I mean. I just think it's going to be a close game that Nevada's going to win because Oregon State hasn't proven they can win on the road. I mean, I'm not saying I'd be surprised if Oregon State wins, but, you know, I have to go with, you know, the evidence I have in front of me. But I, I, I mean, betting this game, I mean, that's, I mean, I even think it's, say, 38 34, that's 72 points. That's what, what's the over under? It's right around 70, isn't it? Something like that. I, I mean, I, I don't see. I, I see no. I see no edge either way. Okay, so so you, you do think that the, that this game will be close and it should be high scoring? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I I, I think Oregon State's offense gives them a chance. You know, and if they're able to do anything defensively, I think you know they got a good chance to win. But I don't until you know the, the deep until the defense rises up. And stop somebody in key situations. I mean, I, I don't know how much I could trust them. Yeah, speaking of the over under, it was the over under is set at seventy point five. Yeah, so that's kind of what I. That's kind of what I, I expect. What the what the line makers expect a, a four point game that's got about seventy some points in it. Now coming to the season, what were your like? What were your expectations for this Oregon State team? Uh, well, I didn't really have any because, I mean, it's a new staff. No idea what, you know, exactly what they were going to do. I thought the only expectation of this team is that they show they can compete in most of the games. I mean, they won't, you know, won't, it's not, you know, it's not unlikely that they're going to go up to Washington and go four quarters of that team or, you know, uh, maybe, you know, there might be another road game that to get, you know, Arizona State might be trouble, but. Yeah, just if you could, if they could just be competitive for four quarters and give fans a reason to believe that, you know, with a couple cycles of recruiting, these guys know what they're doing. That that's what really that's the only expectation I would have on this team. And you know, through two games, they haven't they haven't really missed. I mean, Ohio State, you can't really expect that game to be close, but they did show some, you know, reason to be hopeful of the offense. And then the offense backed it up with the Southern Utah game, but. I, you know, I, to say 
I mean, I think I picked him to win three games, but I don't really have any conviction on that. I just mostly they just need to show they're going to be competitive, and so far they've been they've been that. Now, does Oregon State struggle with attendance? Well, I mean, they were one and eleven last year, and so you know they got a one and eleven team with with that you know thirty ton elephant down the road in Oregon. Um, so, yeah, they they, they had problems. They announced thirty six for Friday's game or for Saturday's game against Southern Utah. It was probably closer to twenty seven, twenty eight. Um, you know, if they were to win at Nevada, I, I think they'd get close to forty for for the Arizona game next week. But I mean, but college football is going to str- is struggling for attendance in general. It's just too easy to stay at home and watch the game on TV these days. The, you know, every every game is a turned into a ten hour ordeal with the traffic and parking and tailgating and four hour games, getting home. I mean, people are just more apt to stay home, and they're just more apt to stay home and you know watch it on TV. It's a pretty good experience now on TV. So I think that that's a that's a trend, you know, nationally, not just with Oregon State or Nevada for that for that matter. Well, I, I think for Nevada, it definitely is a culture, a football culture thing. And with, uh, I think if Nevada does beat Oregon State here, it will entice more people to show up because Nevada has some of its toughest games this year at home. Uh, San Diego State, Boise State, Colorado State all are at home. So I think that if if we do, if we have the air raid offense come out like what we did against Portland State, I think it will entice more fans to show up because it, air raid air raid style football is fun to watch. It's like watching the, like in basketball like the 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 three point heavy teams like the Warriors. Uh, it, it yeah it it brings more people out to games, and it's fun and it's more fun to watch. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe Washington State does the same thing. They weren't drawing anybody till they won games. He, 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 the bottom line is you got to win games. That that's what brings fans out. And you know, if Nevada was to beat Oregon State, I think that would that would be the best thing. I mean, if they lose a fifty to forty seven game, do you think fans are suddenly going to go? We you know we need to go to the game. No, going to go if they beat if they beat Oregon State. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Winning winning does help draw out attendance. And before it's it's like what we see with basketball. Before Eric Musselman got here, attendance was very low. But then once Eric Musselman started winning, uh, attendance started growing. Right, and you know again, it wasn't because Eric Musselman was <clears throat> teams were putting up a hundred points. It was because they were winning games. So, you know, for Nevada, it's all about winning the game on Saturday. And I, I don't know whether scoring a bunch of points and you know is, is going to matter to fans. They they want to walk away feeling like they're the better team. That, that's what will bring about. That's the same thing in Oregon State, but still, I don't I don't know that people are quite as apt to go to you know football games these days just for the reasons I I outlined earlier. Yeah, and it it is tough when your team is not winning to get attendance because it's it's kind of sad to see like a, a big stadium with no where you don't really fill it up on like a Saturday night. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the night games are tough too. 
you know, Oregon State's had a lot of 7:30 games, and those are tough to get big crowds to if you're not winning. And you know, I don't know what Nevada's schedule is, you know, as far as night games, but I imagine they got a they probably got a fair number of those just to get them on TV and whatnot. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. The night games are killers. Yeah, for the most part, Nevada hasn't announced a lot of times yet for uh, games. So we, we yeah, sh- that's we... the same thing with Oregon State. It's the same thing with Oregon State too, because of the TV window, the twelve, six, and twelve day window on, mm-hmm. on TV. But you know, so far, Oregon State's got a one o'clock game on, you know, against Arizona. I, you know, if they beat Nevada, I think they'll have a good crowd because it's a you know early game, and uh, I, th- I think they'll get a decent crowd for that game. If they lose, I don't think whether they played at one or five or seven will matter. It's you know people aren't going to be as happy. Yep. All right, Nick. Well, thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, please, can you tell the audience where they can find you on social media? Uh, well, it's uh, at Nick Dashel, and obviously my all my stories are on the Oregonians website, which is OregonLive.com. So there you go. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we'll, uh, are you coming? Are you going to be at the game on? Are you coming to Reno for uh, the game? Yes, yeah, I'll be All there. Right. All right. We'll see you then. Um, All right. Okay. Thanks. Once again, I would like to thank Nick Dashell for coming on the show. He was a great interview. Uh, before, be sure to look out for this week's game against Oregon State. But with that being said, let's jump into Nevada soccer. Now, Nevada soccer started off hot, as we mentioned before on the show. But then things have slowed down recently, as in their last four games, they are 1-2-1. Not, not, not the hottest start as, as what happens in the earlier season. Uh as we mentioned in the previous time, I think we they beat Southern Utah two to one. But since then, they've lost two in a row. They lost to St. Mary's one to zero, and then they lost to Sacramento State two to three to two. Interesting note about the Sacramento State game: Sacramento State was the only win for Nevada soccer last year. Yeah, so which is kind of interesting that we ended up losing that game, which is is very unfortunate. But it's still obviously we're having a rough patch now with two straight losses. But overall, we're still having a you know kick butt season you know we're those girls out there are kicking butt taking names uh especially that freshman um you know she's still having a hot season um you know obviously i think we talked about in the last show or the one before that when we're talking about soccer that you know eventually they're gonna have a rough patch like this this just kind of happens with sports i think it's good for them because um winning too much honestly is a bad thing and obviously is it don't, really a bad it, thing don't Hear me out for a second. Hear me out. Okay. Um, with losses, you really figure out who you are as a team and what you need to work on. Um, if you win all the time, I mean, win consistently. If you start losing it, um, you don't know how to overcome the losses. So if you keep winning, say, five in a row, eight in a row, whatever, and you have that just random loss, you don't know how to deal with it. Whereas if you have a loss earlier in the season to break up that kind of streak, you kind of understand, you know how to deal with that. 
You know, you know how to overcome that. You know how to go through the adversary. You know what, guys. You guys know what I mean. So it's definitely it's a cliche-ish thing, but it's always not, it's it's a good thing to lose every once in a while. You kind of need it, obviously, unless you know you're the 1972 Miami Dolphins and you know win every single game and the Super Bowl. But that's a different story. Um, if you look at the previous seasons before that, they kind of struggled as well. So they knew how to um, overcome that and get through the process of losing a few games. Yeah, but you're also describing D1 women's soccer to the NFL. Of, of course. I'm obviously, it's not a perfect metaphor, but that's always the go-to one when it comes to perfect seasons and things of that nature. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to point out the fact that you do need to have those struggles so you learn from those. You learn when you lose and you learn when you make mistakes. That's just, it's an old cliche when it comes to sports and it comes to life. I, I guess that's one way to put it, but one thing to uh, take note of is in, in that game against Sacramento State, they were down, they got down 3-0 uh, towards the end of the game, but then they did manage to score two goals towards the end of the game. Hannah Souza and Mackenzie Robinson both scored for the Pack to make it a one-goal game, but I think there's something to say that, look, they were down 3 nothing early, and they just could not come back, and I think that this team needs to take a moment to realize, like, to figure out who they are as a team. And I think that's one thing they can do, especially with their next game being at home. It's their second home game of the year this Thursday uh, when they host Hawaii. Kevin, are you going to be there on Thursday? Um, Thursday, I will be there. Um, I'm glad to say that that is going to be the first game I am actually able to go to. All these other games, I've been busy these past two weeks. Uh, with the start of school, but this Thursday I will be out there cheering them on, you know, talking, going against Hawaii, talking the trash against them, you know, um, and I'm really excited. I'm hoping to see a bunch of you guys out there if you're listening. Um, I'm hoping to see a bunch of the freshmen go out there too. I think um, all the freshmen are kind of missing out when it comes to not watching these girls' games because they are just killing it, um, but yes, I will be there, and I'm so excited to be there. Now, one thing it is important because – Women's soccer doesn't really um, get much love from Nash or media in Reno, so I think it's our due diligence to help promote this. I think it's going to be a great, great time. Nevada is current, currently sitting in a record of we're sitting with in like fifth place right now in the conference. So I think that with without conference play even starting yet, so I think that Nevada does have a shot to do well in conference. What are your thoughts on how they'll do in conference play? Um, I think they'll have a good shot, just like you were talking about. I think this is definitely a different, um, a different team that it was last year that we struggled with last year. We're definitely going to compete a lot better than we have before. Um, obviously, we need to, obviously, we need to come out against Hawaii and win. Um, when we play uh, University of Utah and Salt Lake. That's going to be a must-win as well, and then that's when we get back and play. Uh, Boise and in Boise. Uh, that's when conference play starts, yeah, obviously. Once, obviously, once we get to Boise. So, obviously, we need to get these next two games. Uh, we need to get Ws. Um, so, we have that confidence and we have that streak going into conference play. Um, so, that just that just provides how important it is to come out to that game on Thursday. Guys, it's at 6.30. I mean, it's not too early and it's not too late at night. Go to the game. Watch them win, and then, of course, you know, go to the wall afterwards for college night, you know? So you have time to go to these games. It's not, oh, but I want to go out. No, it's before you go out. So go have a fun time. 
go cheer on some beautiful women playing some great soccer and just kicking butt. So when it comes to conference play, I think we'll do just fine. I don't know if we're going to be competing for the number one spot, but I think we're going to be up there in that uh, top tier. Look, if you need any more reason to go out to go out to attend a women's soccer game, obviously listen to what Kevin said, uh, but go back and listen to our interview with Ellie Small. She really highlights why why it is important for her to why it is important for fans to show up and support because if you look at the previous years there wasn't much support there wasn't like barely any support last year and so i think it is important to have support out there and cheer on these athletes because they do thrive on they do thrive on uh, attention and they do if they have better if they have more attention there if they have more people there they probably will do better like they realize it's more important you realize a lot of people are watching them so I think it is important for them to go out and watch the game, as Kevin mentioned, 630 on Thursday. Make sure to be there. But jumping into another sport real quick uh, before we go, women's volleyball is off to a kick-ass start uh, this season. They are 7-2, and two, which is very impressive. They are, as we meant, uh, just mentioned, they since last time we talked uh, was the Northern Illinois Tournament. They went 3-0. They swept the tournament. They beat Virginia 3-2. They beat Northern Illinois 3-0. Beat Northern Kentucky 3-0. Then they took place in the Sacramento State Tournament. They lost to Sacramento State 3-1. But then they beat uh, Seattle University and UC Riverside 3-2. So I think it is important that that both these sports are doing well because it sh- this should shed light on how great athletics are outside of just the major sports. Yeah, and it, it and it brings up a good point. Is it sheds light on besides the major sports, which it tends to be the guy sports. Obviously, college football and college basketball are the biggest things when it comes to university sports. Baseball is kind of on that third place spot right there, but it sheds light on how great these women's athletes programs actually are, and people are missing out on this. You know, I hate to say it, guys, the football team keeps going the way we're going. Just go out to the soccer and volleyball games. You'll actually see some people winning. Come on. I mean, we need to give the respect when respect is due and the credit when credit is due to these women. They're just out there kicking butt in the name of the University of Nevada. I mean, the Wolfpack, you folks, you need to get behind these women. They're kicking butt. I don't know what else they need to do. A lot of these games, against, all these games actually are free, folks. So what, do you, what else do you have better else to do on a Thursday night before the wall or with um, coming up in Colorado State on the 20th at 6.30. I mean, folks, it's not the north end of campus. It's not like you're going to the baseball fields or the softball fields. It's at the Virginia Street Gym. It's right across from the dorms. If you're a freshman, you literally just walk over there. It's not that big of a deal. If you want, if you're not a freshman and you're Obviously, over 21, go to Rick's, grab a beer, and then go to the game. It's not that big of a deal, you know? So just go out, support these women, folks. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that hard to do. We are the University of Nevada, and we support every single athletic program on this campus, and we need to actually start doing that. We need to actually start getting behind these women's sports and not just football and basketball. You know, basketball is kicking butt, but football, you need to get your crap together if you want to keep having these crowds. Yeah, and so mentioning the upcoming schedule, they uh, take place in the uh, this weekend. They'll p- take place in the St. Mary's slash University of Pacific tournament up in Northern California, where Thursday they place it at St. Mary's, and then Saturday they play at the University of Pacific. But after that, they come home to face Colorado State on the twentieth. So make sure uh, to be there. I'm sure we'll be promoting the show, promoting the game then. 
Uh, but one thing to note before we end is that it is we haven't had that many games for either soccer or volleyball. So I think that since games are very limited, I think it is important for you to show up, like because these people, like it's it's kind of sad to see when you see like a big a gym or a stadium where well games in play, but no one's there. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, especially from these other teams. They show up and they're like, hmm, their fans won't even show up. This is just gonna be an easy game. It's time to put some more respect into the athletics, folks. Show up to the game. It's free. It's not the, It's not that hard. It's not you're like you're shelling out money. Other universities, you have to pay to get in these games. And other universities, their fans are showing up. Why can't we come out? I challenge you, Wolfpack fans. I challenge you to not only go to the football and basketball games, but I challenge you to go to the soccer games and the volleyball games. These programs are kicking butt. We've got the eight... 1886 soccer team for Reno coming out to the women's soccer games and vice versa. They're behind these women. Why can't we? So I challenge you, especially the freshmen. Freshmen, if you're listening, enjoy it. It's your freshman year. Bring it all in. And one of the greatest aspects of going to college in that freshman year is to going to the games, whether it is the football games, the basketball games, but it's also going to the softball games, the volleyball games, and the soccer games for these women. You need to get behind them. They're your peers. Sometimes they're your friends. They could be living in the dorms right there with you. You could be walking with them and have class with them. Go out, find out who these women are, get behind them, and you know support a winning program on this campus. Obviously, we're having a problem with that with football. So here's your opportunity to go see some wins and go see Wolfpack kick butt. Whether it's other people in the Mountain West, specifically UNLV, screw them. But it's also other people around the country we're kicking butt in. So come support. With that being said, we are running out of time for this episode. Any final thoughts, Kevin? Uh, no final thoughts. Well, actually, a few. Um, Garrett, I want to say thank you for having me on these episodes and continuously having me for the rest of the semester. I love talking with you about athletics. It's a great way to spend my afternoons. Um, Wolfpack fans, thank you for listening. Um, if you have people you don't know that are listening, please come on, share us on Instagram and Twitter, um, watch our, not watch our, but listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, and besides that, uh, let's go get that W against Oregon State this weekend. And volleyball and soccer, keep on keeping on. So one thing to add before we end up, uh, we forgot to mention this during football, but it was announced that for our game at Toledo, kickoff is at 9 a.m. Pacific. Another early one, Pack fans, I know, from what we saw, a good amount of people were out at, up early and getting ready for the Vanderbilt game. But let's 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 get uh, Nevada football Twitter up early. Let's let's have it like it was this past week. And with that being said, we will see you guys next time. And go Wolfpack. Pack.